1: Welcome to Take Human Action, PA, episode 44. I'm Calvin. I'm your host. Uh, we have a very special guest tonight. Before I introduce him, I do want to mention that we still have some Take Human Action Tour events going on for the Mises Caucus. So uh, if you're looking for details on that, go to TakeHumanActionTour.com. We still have five more cities coming up and lots of good speakers, including Tom Woods, Maj Teray, uh jeff dice scott horton ian crossland a lot of good people coming up so for a full list you can go in the comments and then uh so, again sign up at takehumanactiontour.com. uh so definitely do that and uh with that i'll go to introducing our guests um we might have some additional hosts joining us later and i'll i'll mention them if they uh are able to make it and the in the time for this uh, episode, but for now, um, our guest—he is a 24-year-old uh, Marine Corps veteran. Uh, currently works for the the state government, I believe it was, um, and he's come back after being stationed abroad, and he's uh, looking to shake up state politics with his run for state house. And I'll bring him on now. Uh, everybody welcome elijah scratching how are you doing elijah
2: hey how's it going thank you for having me on here calvin
1: (laughs) yeah i'm looking forward to this ever since uh bj told me about your story i've just been really fascinated by the whole thing so yeah I, i i don't even know where to start but um i don't i don't know so I mean it's just great to have you uh with us here um uh, and we have able to run in a, in a special election like this that makes it so that we can skip the signatures and just hit the ground running right away.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. always uh it's always good when uh you can get around some barriers that they place in there. And, and um, you know, this is my first time running for everything. Just learning the stuff that you have to do to run in our completely free elections in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. in the United States, yeah. you know you know they're supposed to be easy and simple it's really like they set up these things to make the common man not be able to run or not want to run and then they try to set up like traps for you and uh they try to uh get you out on um what's it called uh little points and details you know what i mean like i've Mm -hmm. i've already heard stories about how they'll uh they'll challenge people's um candidacies and and things like that they're just uh just to keep the two party system on the ballot and keep everybody else off. That is so uh, ridiculous. Like that is, that's unbelievable that like that actually happens. And now I'm starting to learn this stuff and now I'm knowing. So uh, yeah, I'm glad we're on this. I'm glad uh, the special election happened there and I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah. Even without the signature requirements, they still always seem to find a way to ding you (laughs) one way or another. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about you. Uh, we'll start at the beginning there. So, uh, what was it like for you growing up? Cause I know it was a little bit of a unique situation compared to most of us. So, uh, you know, start, start wherever you like.
2: Okay. So, uh, um, I'm 24 now, but, uh, from when I was born well, not when I was born there, when I was three until I, when I was 18 there, um, I was in the foster care system. I actually have uh, nine siblings. I have uh, three other brothers and uh, uh, six sisters. (laughs) Um, So pretty much since I was three, we were separated. Um, The reason was uh, my parents, my biological parents, had actually pretty much just abandoned us at one point in time. Um, I believe it was around when I was two. They, uh, They took off and left us alone in the house. So pretty much my siblings who were a little bit older there, they'd be out. You know, in the stores, stealing little things like saltine crackers and stuff like that. And, you know, bringing them home and asking people for money. And then uh, we ended up like, uh, I remember this, actually, from when I was young. Uh, I remember eating dog food and cat food. And that's how me and my sisters and and our brothers were, you know, living for a little bit there. And then, um, you know, I've heard multiple stories of exactly how the state moved in and actually put us in care. But uh, the one my sister told me is um, when I was pretty young there, I started choking on something and she picked me up and rushed me to the hospital because the hospital was down the street. And uh, once I got to the hospital, um, you know, they helped me and everything. And I guess I was like almost passed out or something like that. And uh, basically, uh, basically, uh, they asked my sister, they're like, oh, where are your parents at? And she said, we don't have parents. And they're like, what do you mean you don't have parents? So they brought somebody over to our house there and they seen all of us were in there. And, you know, all of us were pretty badly clothed. A lot of my siblings weren't even potty trained or, you know, didn't know how to use the bathroom. So the state moved in, took us and separated all of us there. And, um, you know, I know the state had to act on what they acted on, but they really separated uh, me and all my siblings though and wouldn't let us see each other. It's that's pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. And, uh, the homes that they would place us in, they would, some of these homes, I don't know how they pass the standards and requirements that, um, are required for, you know, people to be foster parents. I've witnessed ridiculous stuff in the foster care system. I've witnessed, I've witnessed things from, you know, foster parents putting cigarettes out on kids' heads to kids getting beaten to kids getting raped. I had, uh, you know, an experience with somebody locking me down in the basement for a couple of days. I had experience with people trying to get me to stand naked in a in line with other kids. The foster care system, it's messed up in Pennsylvania and people don't do anything about it. Um, my sister had been raped in foster care. My other sister got sexually abused. My other sister got sexually abused. My brother got sexually abused one of them it's uh it's ridiculous. nobody did anything about the foster care system, so it was a rough time. I bounced around from home to home, bounced around to school to school and then uh on my senior year um I was up in Wilkesbury with my aunt um and you know, of course, like all foster kids, foster systems really made to um you know and the foster kid up in prison. You know, it's it's set up like that. You can't go over to people's houses. You can't be a normal kid. They dope you up on all types of medications and pills. Um, They give you all these diagnoses. uh, And you know that affects your life later. Almost affected me joining the military. Uh, But, uh, yeah. So pretty much when I turned 18, I uh, was coming down the hallway in this school called G.A.R., up in Wilkesbury And and uh, I was a little bit late for class, and the vice principal called us, and he said, uh, he was like, hey, what are you doing on the hallway here? You're supposed to be in class. And we were like, oh, uh, we were, uh, uh, me and my buddy was like, oh, we were, uh, um, and then there was a Marine Corps recruiter right beside the gym there, and he was like, oh, they were talking to me. And we were like, yeah, yeah, we were talking to him. And the vice principal, he was like, Oh, yeah, that's great. I was in the National Guard and this and that. You guys are trying to find a career for yourself. I like that. Go ahead. Talk to them. I'll tell your teachers you're trying to make a career for yourself. So we were like, okay, okay. Marine Corps recruiter said, oh, yeah, now you owe me. So <laughs> I ended up going to the um to the recruiter station there. And I-, I talked to other recruiters, too. And I asked them, like, you know, what's the hardest branch? Because I wanted to gain respect for myself. I got told by a therapist one time, um, you know, one of the ones that diagnosed me with something. Um I got told that um um respect isn't given it's earned. So you have to earn respect for yourself. You want people to respect you, you have to earn that respect. People don't just don't just give that out. So I asked what was the hardest and toughest branch to go into so I can earn my respect. And he said, "Well, I'll be honest. The army recruiter told me, I'll be honest. The hardest branch there is is the Marine Corps, but you don't want to join them. They're a cult and they're crazy." And I was like, "All right. Yeah, I'll definitely join them." <laughs> So I ended up joining. Uh, I went all over the world. And I, the best friends I'll ever meet. We talk every day still. Some friends I haven't seen in two, three years, and we still talk every day. <laughs> Like day. Uh, they'll do anything for me. They give me anything in a heartbeat. Love my boys and love my sisters out there. And, uh, yeah, I got to travel the world. I'd go all over the Pacific over there. Um, I met my wife. I have a kid now. Her birthday is today, actually. We just had a bunch of celebrations and everything. So it was a good time um, today. Um, they actually just got here at the end of January. The visa got approved and everything. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, and it's kind of crazy. In the United States, like, they make it harder for you to get somebody here legally than illegally. Like, I had to jump through... How many loopholes just to get my kids and my wife over here? Like the amount of paperwork. People who don't know English or English isn't their first language, it's impossible almost to fill that paperwork out by yourself. I'm yeah. a whole graduate of you know I mean a, a, a you know a advanced school in Pennsylvania over here, but yeah, man, I'm I'm struggling. You know, I was struggling yeah. with that visa. You okay. mind if we stop
1: there for a minute? Because there's a lot to unpack in what you've in just what you've said so far. Oh, sure uh, thank you.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so wow. Like I, I mean, I've heard some stories about the foster care system, but that is just a whole new level. Like, uh, how yeah, old were so you? Messed up. <laughs> how old were you when that whole thing started?
2: Uh, I was three when I first got into foster care. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Are you, so you were like down the middle in terms of your siblings.
2: I'm actually the second youngest.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I can't even imagine. Um, I guess they're all out of the system now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope they're all doing all right.
2: Uh, they're, they're, um, at first, a lot of them weren't doing as well, but we've been, you know, us who have been doing well, been reaching out to the other ones and, you know, helping them with stuff. So everybody's doing a lot better than they were. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, that that's good. Uh, that's I'm glad to hear that. Um, how long were you in
2: the Marines for? I was in there for uh, about four years there.
1: OK, so where did you end up being stationed while you are in there?
2: Uh, I was in Okinawa. Okinawa was my main duty station, but I was an ammunition technician. So we got fapped out a lot to uh, different units. So pretty much we can work in what is called uh um, ASP. So ammunition supply point, um, we can either be working there or we can be attached to, um, infantry units, or it could be a, you know, a, um, uh, you could call it a special force, uh, special forces unit. Um, my buddy, he was just attached to, uh, have you ever heard of mm-hmm. Uh Marine no. Corps Raiders. It's kind of like the Marine Corps special forces there. Um, right. you can get attached to them. You can get attached to recon, um, Pretty much anybody who needs bombs and bullets, we're we're the people for you. Huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because
1: I have never heard Okinawa mentioned outside of like the World War II battles. So, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what's going <laughs> yeah. on? Why do we still have uh, stationed troops there?
2: That's a good point, but uh, I'm gonna be honest. They really don't want us there. A lot of the people don't want us there at all. And really? I understand it. A lot of Americans do a lot of stupid stuff over there, so I don't even blame them. I don't blame them at yeah. all. Um, i tell you one thing, though. Uh, this might not be their people's view, but it's their government's view out there. I know their government believes that if we were, were to leave, China's going to just beat the hell out of them. <laughs> uh, my bad, if I'm not allowed to say that on here.
1: No, I mean, I don't I don't think it matters. <laughs> but it's it's kind of funny, like, you, usually I know this stuff, but I don't even know, like, if it's its own country or if it's part of another country or something.
2: Yeah, o- Okinawa, it's it's part of Japan. They oh, it is part of Japan.
1: Japan. Japan. Okay. Yeah. Got
2: it. Yeah. So they, uh, like, Okinawan specifically, like, I'm going to say, because, you know, in, like, uh, we pretty much after World War II up into 1970s, we had complete control of that there. Um, And U.S. military did the most terrible things out there after World War II. They were doing the worst. And, uh, you know, like Kaho's parents, Kaho's parents don't, didn't really like Americans until they met me. Uh, you know, they love me and everything. My, uh, my wife's parents and everything. They actually just bought me these shoes. They're like $200. And uh, her dad's, uh, one of the fire chiefs from out there in Okinawa. Um, there's like a couple of them in Japan and he's one of them. So, you know, he's making that money and, uh, <laughs> uh yeah. and her, her, her mom's a nurse and everything. Um, I, I believe she's a nurse practitioner and um, Her father just retired, but they can, like, they'll tell you, like, their parents told them the craziest stories. And, like, um, um my wife's grandfather, he hated Americans. He hated, well, he specifically hated, I'm going to say, black Americans. I'm going to explain why. He wasn't racist, and I'm going to explain why. I'm going to explain why. So, uh, basically, when he was young, right, it was uh, during World War II and everything, he was just playing outside, he said. He he told Kaho this story. He was playing outside and uh this uh japanese soldier came running by and then these american soldiers came over and shot them and then uh, he hid behind like a, a wall there and then the american soldiers went by and then when he walked over to the japanese man the japanese man the soldier was asking for water so he came over and he gave the japanese soldier water and the water was coming out uh, he was swallowing water and it was coming out of his neck there and uh yeah yeah, he's seen that. And from that point forward, he just hated American soldiers. And it happened to be a black soldier who did it. So, <laughs> yeah. So he just didn't like them at that point in time. So. Wow. Yeah. But uh, that stuff happened. He's seen. Um, he told Kahu stories about like how Americans would come off base and just shoot people and. Go back on base and there's nothing anybody could do in Japan at that point in time because we had it. You know what I mean? It was under our control. and everything. During the they had occupation no right to, and- yeah, they had no right to do anything to the American soldiers or the American airmen yeah. or Marines or anybody. And he said they'd come on base, grab women and take them on base. You'd never see them again. That's that side of American history. We don't learn and nobody talks about. Right. But it happened. It was going on. And then uh definitely uh,
1: never heard that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Once the sofa agreement started going into place and you know the Japanese were allowed to arrest like military over there. A lot changed after that. Oh a lot changed after that. Wow. For the better, yeah. But uh I'm not gonna say it was every bit of military doing that, but it was a lot. It was enough. It was enough. One is enough. I don't understand how anybody could do that. I just think you gotta that's 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 a personal issue that nothing can work out of you know what i mean you can't you can't work out of that that's yeah you're sticking my head <laughs> well going back to you though like with with all that
1: stuff in the backdrop like how is it that you ended up apparently meeting and marrying your wife over there
2: um, uh so like, pretty yeah. <laughs> so uh, pretty much like uh when we got over there, well, I'll, I'll say before I went over there, um, I was in MOS school, so I was at Fort Lee, Virginia, and I, I met this guy. His name is uh, Hines. It's one of my good buddies. He's actually a he's actually a, music- a musician now. He makes like songs and stuff. And he's actually getting pretty popular on Instagram. So go see him. But uh, uh, pretty, pretty much, uh, he told me he uh, pretty much grew out grew up out there because his father was in the Marine Corps. So uh, he told me like you know people to talk to and. You know what I mean? Spots to go to. And he basically told me that don't hang out with military. Go hang out with the locals. Go talk to the locals. They're going to show you stuff that the military has no clue about. So uh, when I got there, I started meeting up with some of his friends who were Japanese. And then they started in- introducing me to other people. And then, um, yeah, soon I got a friend group going on. Some of my buddies from the Marine Corps there, we'd hang out with some of these Japanese women over here. They, you know, it's just a good old friend group, like like, uh, you know six dudes, six girls. We'd always go out, go to American village. And then soon, um, I started hanging out with this, uh, girl named Kaho, or she started hanging out with me, should I say, (laughs) you know, whatever. (laughs) but, uh, um, yeah, we started hanging out for a while there. And then next thing, you know, I, we started realizing we got a a lot of stuff in common, even though we're, you know, we're completely different cultures, make each other laugh all the time, you know, we just uh we just really clicked and um uh, yeah it's um uh, pretty much a wrap after that wow yeah yeah,
1: yeah so was, well you, you touched on it a bit already but was there initial resistance from the family that might have stopped you from getting together
2: y- yeah initially they were kind of like oh you have an american in the house and he's in the military <sighs> yeah get away from him don't be around him because the 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 basic, uh, you know, idea is if your daughter dates a military man, he's going to get her pregnant and he's going to leave and go back to the States. That's the whole um, idea out there, you know? So, uh, you know, when, when she got, you know, she got pregnant there and I'm not going to say it was exactly planned, (laughs) you know, things happen. We were pretty young there. And uh, uh, when that all happened and everything, she was nervous. And I told her, you know, I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to do anything like that with, like what these other men are doing out here I don't do that you know I'm gonna be here for you and I told her parents that and you know I you know I earned her father's trust over there you know it took a little bit but you know what I mean me and him are really really tight now and <laughs> everything but uh um yeah uh he, they kind of were worried about it but her grandfather and her grandparents really didn't like it at all they, they really didn't like it but yeah you know, once they seen my uh, our daughter and everything, their minds started changing too. And you know, they love my kid. And you know, I think people started to realize, or they started realizing, like, uh, you know, maybe not everybody in America is that bad. You know, right?
1: Yeah, it, there's been some time since then. I, you know, I can imagine that the old wounds, even if it has been this long, <clears throat> they don't heal that quickly. But you know, it's yeah. things like that are starting to overcome it.
2: Yeah, but the the people my age and everything though, in in Japan they have no clue about what happened back then. They don't care. They're just whatever. Yeah, they see they see another American. They're like, "Oh, cool, he's from America. Oh, are you from California, bro?" That's what they'll say to me. You from California, yeah. New York, Florida, and I'm like, "Oh no, I'm from Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia," and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I- <laughs> the nicest people in the world there too. They're the, they're the nicest people to do anything from you, for you. Um, it's such a different culture out in Japan. It's so... Yeah. It's it's not like... You go there over to Japan and you try to come back to the United States and be happy. It's crazy. You can't. You can't. It's just... Yeah. Uh, I
1: only spent a couple weeks there myself, but I, I can't disagree with anything you're saying. Like the, the, right. Like all that stuff is true. It's like right. a whole different <laughs> world out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Must mm. have been a bit of a cultural adjustment too. Like uh taking your shoes off at the, at the door was one yep. of the first ones. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm sure there's others I'm not thinking of. Like I had to get used to not having eggs for breakfast.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, uh they just, uh how they sit there and eat a lot of the times mm. there and you're sitting on the ground there. Right. Yeah. No a chairs. Lot of them or... are, sometimes people don't even, they don't even have beds. Some of them, you know what I mean? Some mm. Japanese. um uh, Just like the mats. Yeah. Yeah. And they're perfectly comfortable that way. Sometimes, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I tried
1: it; it was fine. Um, I yeah, I just I'm, thought I was dreaming running. when I saw the legless chairs. So it's like, what
2: is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's so peaceful out there, and their yeah. their society is built on such like a respect towards others. There, you go into a train; it's silent. It's silent. People aren't eating; they aren't drinking. They're quiet. Their heads are down, and they're people are walking in filed lines in this and um in uh tokyo there it's there's no trash in the ground in tokyo oh yeah there's no trash like that's how much bigger than new york city but yeah, that's, that's there's no hard trash. like i i can't believe it. i couldn't believe my eyes when i, I seen that another yeah. thing too they uh people are allowed now duis there it's a cap full of alcohol you're going to you're going to jail you know what i mean if you drink and drive like that but i mean that's you know that's a good uh thing too you know i mean you really shouldn't be drinking and driving but uh um but uh you can walk outside and have a have a beer in your hand you can walk around you can you know what i mean as long as you're not causing any trouble yeah they don't care you know i mean it's things like that little uh little freedoms they had there that uh you know it's a it's a it's 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 just very different you know yeah that was what i was thinking
1: you know that's a good word for it uh, I do want to get back to when you came back to the States though, because you, we were talking in the pre-show you know, and it, it like no sooner than you got back to the States. Well, first, you know, that was right at the beginning of the pandemic. So already there was a huge culture change, uh, right around the time you got back. Um, so, uh, why, why don't you start there? Just tell us uh, how that experience was for
2: you. All right. So I, I got back there. I got back, um, um basically like uh towards the end of 2019 there and really into 2020 there so uh once I got back um you know I was planning we were planning on getting the visa done and um you know she was going to come over here and everything and then all of a sudden boom coronavirus hits there and I was uh I was a week away from getting my plane ticket and flying back over to Japan there but my supervisor I was working for the The federal government at the time at the social security administration my supervisor told me hey you might want to wait a little bit to see how this uh coronavirus thing i heard that it's worse than the flu she told me i heard it's worse than the flu you might want to wait a little bit i heard the government might you know kind of shut down the ports and i was thinking like there's no way you know what i mean it can't be that bad so uh you know i was about to fly out that next weekend and boom they shut down you know what I mean? Uh, a lot of the flights going out to Japan, and Japan blocked off their borders, and the United States blocked off their borders, and pretty much we were separated for a while with that. But then uh, the whole thing happened with uh, um, George Floyd and the um, Black Lives Matter movement there and everything. Now, with Black Lives Matter, I never, I never really knew much about them at all. So a lot of people told me to support Black Lives Matter and donate to Black Lives Matter, you know, something of that sort there. And I really don't didn't know about them. I don't usually jump into things without knowing what it is. I do a little bit of research on it, but, like, if I don't like something or it doesn't sit right in my soul, I won't go with it. Um, You know, it, it, if it doesn't feel right to my character, I won't do it. So, uh, um, basically, I created this group. And I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to get like our community together. Cause that, that's what we did in the Marine Corps there. We got together and made each other better. So if it worked in there, I figured it would work out here too. Yeah. It worked in there with people with different ranks who thought they were better than others and everything like that. So if it works out there like that, it's going to work in there. So um, basically um, I created this group called the 2020 um, freedom fighters. And um, I did it with a couple people, um, um uh, my friend Jimmy G up there in wilkes Shay, uh Sam, we all started it up there. And then uh, basically we started doing rallies. We were teaching people, um, you know, about educational tools, how to apply for college, having people, uh, you know, clean up the city, you know, telling people to be more accountable for themselves, you know, instead of blaming things on other people, be more accountable for yourselves and the people around you. You see something, say something, you know what I mean? By that, I mean, you see somebody – somebody doing something wrong tell them they're doing wrong don't just sit back and watch them do it wrong and then that lead to their demise you know just teaching people you know basic principles and things like that like here's how we should be acting as a community we should hire more law enforcement in our community we were also uh you know trying to encourage people to uh you know apply for uh um, permits to carry weapons you know we were trying to tell people to do it this way instead of getting caught up by the police and having them arrest you when you could possibly just get a permit from the courthouse, you know, or something like that. We we were just telling people basic things to try to help them out and try to help our community out. And then, uh, um, we started getting a lot of people at our, at our rallies. We started getting quite a bit of people and um, we started getting on the news and started getting attention. And then, um, you know, people started just coming up and just giving us stuff and people would bring food to our rallies and people bring waters and drinks and, Speakers and, you know, uh, the photographers would start coming. The news people would start coming. Our mayor came. Um, we had Senator Hayward Art come from down in Philly. He came up to our thing. So we started getting a lot of buzz down there. And we started getting on the news a lot. And, I, you know, started doing interviews. And then uh, um, I'll say about maybe a couple weeks after I started it and we started getting a lot of buzz. Uh, basically, I got this call on my phone. It was from a man named John. I can't remember his last name. I wish I had my old phone still so I can uh, remember it. But um, I remember his name was John there. He wanted to speak with me about, um, he was like, oh, I like what you're doing with, uh, you know, you're fighting for black lives and you're doing this and that. And I was fighting for black lives, but I was more fighting for our community. You know what I mean? Like, I want our communities to succeed together. I'm not really looking at color. I want our community to succeed together. Now, I definitely care about black lives and everything that was going on at that point of time. But again, I want to see us together, you know, form together to succeed. So uh, I was like, okay, yeah, let's meet up and everything. Let's talk about this and whatever, whatever. So we came and we met down by uh, Genetti's in Wokesbury there. So uh, there was this, uh, there's like this cheese steak place. I can't remember the name of the cheese steak place up in Wokesbury, but we met up in there and my buddy Mir came with me. And, you know, because, you know, you never really go by yourself everywhere. You never know what's, what people are up to, especially <laughs> when we were running that. Because uh, we had people come to our rallies and they'd be hecklers. People would come up and say, oh, they try to grab the mic out of my hand. This one guy grabbed the mic out of my hand this one time. He said, oh, that's breaking into oh. the store. Come on, break into the mall. Go do this. Go do that. And then he took off running and the police chased him and everything. We had the mayor up there one time. He came over to our thing and he wanted to hop on the mic. So I was like, OK, man, whatever. So he hopped onto the mic. And he was like, I understand your pain. I understand your pain. And then he took a knee and then everybody booed him and he ran away. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I was like, bro, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, he literally got on his knee. None of us were doing that. And he got on his knees Said, I understand your pain and put his fist up. And we were like, all right, whatever. And then people were like, bro, get out of here. Get out of here. And he took off running. But um, yeah, we'd have some hecklers come. We had somebody destroy um during one of our rallies, and there was a lot of people there, so we couldn't see. But they destroyed the whole statue there in Wilkesbury. They sprayed it with the silly string and painted it, and put blood all over it. And then they tried to write our names at the bottom of it there, to make it seem like we were doing it. You know, you know, it's it's that's some crazy stuff was going on like that. She so we had this gentleman, and we met him down in the shop down there, and he offered us three hundred thousand dollars there to uh like pretty much continue he said you need to speak more about black lives matter and how black lives matter is gonna you know what i mean lift your your uh what do you say your culture out of poverty and this and that and do all this and that and then i really thought about it i was you know during the whole time when he was saying this stuff to us and he was like oh we're gonna provide you with this and provide you with that all you gotta say is these things you gotta You know, you got to wear these things. You got to wear the Black Lives Matter, things like this. And uh, we were like, okay, okay, that sounds cool. $300,000, that's a lot of money. That could really help out our group. But then I started asking them questions. We were there. I was like, you know, that sounds really good. But, like, to be honest, man, like, I never see Black Lives Matter out here. I never see them out in the hood. I never see them out in, you know, I I don't see them down in Philly. Because we used to go down in Philly a lot there. I don't see them down in Philly. I don't see them down in Kensington. I don't see them down by Hamilton (laughs) Park. Have you?
1: Yeah. Well, I I work near Kensington, so I can tell you having go gone there like all the time. I I don't see it.
2: <laughs> yeah, not I've there. never seen Black Lives Matter down there, and you know where I do see him though. I see him out in L.A. I see him out in L.A. down in Hollywood and everything. I see him in mansions. I see him on. I see him in uh, million dollar houses. I don't see them in Detroit. I don't see them in Chicago. Uh, you know what I mean, like. This is the stuff I was bringing up to this guy. And he was like, well, that's because, you know, you know, things are trickling down. It takes a lot, a long time for money to go here and this way and this way and this way. And I was saying, but like, I was like, just telling him like, okay, that's, that's cool. But like, I really don't see him around in anything. I do care about black lives, but I want to bring our community together. I feel like a lot of this is causing division. I feel like people are saying black lives matter on the television, like on CNN but they really are trying to paint a bad picture for black people, you know? They're trying to make it seem like, if you don't support this, you're racist. And I don't believe that because I know a lot of black people who wonder, where's the money going? And we did find out where the money was going, like last year is going mm-hmm. into the lady's backyard and to her baby dad and the million dollar houses. And I was suspecting that the whole time. And I was just, uh, yeah. This man's looking at me over here. He doesn't know my phone.
1: Yeah, something tells me you weren't surprised.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, But, like, it was a whole thing. But that uh, gentleman, I, I was, like, kind of debating him the whole time with it. You know, I was like, well, what about this? What about this? What do we have to say? And then I was like, okay, well, what if we say this? Why do you want us to say that? You know? But he was kind of getting, like, a little bit frustrated with me there. And he said, okay, all right, well, think about it. And, you know, we'll get back with it. And then I was like, okay. So I contacted him again and I was like asking him a couple more questions. I I wanted to ask him a couple more questions. Um, So I contacted him, I called him and then um, he didn't pick up. So I left him a voicemail and then I never heard from that man again.
1: (laughs) Probably didn't want you
2: to ask too many questions. (laughs) Yeah, but it was, it was really weird. I feel like he felt like we were just some stupid black kids. You know, I feel like that's what he thought. Honestly, like when he first came up to us, the first thing he basically said was the money, you know, and I'm,
0: and, you yeah, know, I definitely would have loved just that take money.
2: It. <laughs> yeah, I would have definitely loved that money. But, like, again, I just – I have to ask a lot of questions with that. You know, like, I wasn't really sure. And then after that, that just was so – it just rubbed me the wrong way, and I started thinking about it. I'm like, why did he come – up? where did he come from? You know?
1: Did Things he have, like, like a checkbook? Was he just prepared to write it on the spot
2: or something? He said he was just going to send it to our banks. He said he could send it to okay. our banks. Okay. But, yeah. And huh. I was like, okay, yeah, sounds good. And then I – the and another thing too, and I'll say this now because I mean it's whatever now. I'll tell you why I say this now, but um, um, I did I kept it from my group. I kept it from my group. I, I let my buddy Mir know, and then I wish he was here. He could tell you like because me and him talked about this for a while too. I kept it from my group because um, there was rumor going on within my group, and this is why I kind of pulled away from my group. The summon in my group was charging people fifty dollars to uh to uh, come to our rallies. And I never, ever said people had to pay money to come anywhere. I just wanted people to come. You know what I mean? I wanted people to participate. And that started happening. And then I found out totally once uh, people started commenting on our post, like Black Lives Matter Part 2. You know what I mean? And I was like, what do you mean Black Lives Matter Part 2? People were like, oh, well, it cost me $50. But my friend said she didn't have to pay anything. I'm like, who charge you $50? Oh, we had to pay $50 to come to the rally. We thought you guys were making tons of money what <laughs> you know but yeah that started going on and i started pulling away from that and i, and I kind of the the person who was doing it, i'm not going to say their name or nothing like that just because they, they know but i don't need to shame them you know what i mean i don't need to blast them out here on here but uh yeah that's main, the main reason why i kind of pulled out of that there
0: save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app
2: But the group started off initially as, you know, it started off really, really good. And yeah it it started going bad then. But uh, basically, uh, basically with that, that's pretty much it with my group up there.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, there's a lot there. Uh, Let's start with this. What's the name? What was the name of the group?
2: Uh, The 2020 Freedom Fighters.
1: Oh, okay, that's that was the name of it. Okay, so does it yeah. still exist?
2: Yeah, there's, they're still doing little things with it up there. Um, I guess basically what they said, it was a misunderstanding for something. Somebody was supposed to give money. Some people were supposed to give money for something, and it might have been a misunderstanding. But the people didn't think it was a misunderstanding. So I don't like my name attached to things like that. You know what I mean? Especially scamming people right. who I want to... Be involved in something in our community that's something that's bigger than us. So um, you know, what I mean, I just kind of stayed out of that, but uh, and pulled and distance myself from um, the whole situation completely. Even though I'm the one who started the whole group, you know, what I mean, I'm not keeping my name attached to you know robbing people, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, 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 yeah, they still operate, do little things up there, but it's not nearly as effective as it used to be. And maybe that's because times are changing now and people aren't really interested in in uh, you know activism or you know human rights and whatever, you know. You you, you wanna know something else that's crazy. I said this on the news report up there. Another reason why I really wanted to get into that at that point of time was when I first came back to Wilkesbury, I went to Turkey Hill and um <laughs> when I uh I came out of the Turkey Hill, I had my backpack on, right? I had my backpack on, and before I left, I threw a lemonade in there that I just bought, right? I just bought this lemonade. And I I, I walked out of the store and started walking up the road. It's a little bit dark outside, right? Cop pulls over. He pulls over over there. Hops out of his car. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, I'm going home. I just got, you know, I just buying something from the store. What's in your backpack? Uh, a lemonade. <laughs> Let me see. Take off your backpack. Okay, yes, sir. You know what I mean? I'm not thinking nothing about it. You know, this is this is early 2020 here. Like, okay, yes, sir. So I take off my backpack. As soon as I start taking off my backpack, this man reaches for his gun immediately. I'm looking like this. What in the world? You know what I mean? I'm looking at this man like, what are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm just taking off my backpack here. I'm listening to what you said. And I was like, whoa, whoa, okay. I'm just going to get my ID. So I turned it over and dumped it out. My ID fell on the ground. I mean, my uh, wallet fell on the ground. I picked up my wallet. And what I did was I handed him my military ID. I didn't hand him my driver's license, gave him my military ID. He looked at it. Oh, you're in the military. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I apologize. I apologize. Oh no. Oh, thank you for your service, buddy. Oh my goodness. Oh my, I didn't mean to, you know, enough. I'm like, what in the world? He's like, yeah, you should, you should join the Wilkes-Barre police. And I, and I blasted him. I, I, when I, when I started doing all that stuff there with my group and everything, I, I let the news know and everything that they were doing that. That happened to me twice yeah. up there. That happened to me twice before I started the group up there. Yeah. Uh, the sim- the sim- uh, both of the situations were similar there. Yeah. Some weird yeah, stuff. And I then actually. and then the, they apologized to me. The captain of the police officer, station over there apologized to me and everything after I let the whole news... You know, <laughs> everywhere know about that, but I felt so disrespected. What if I didn't have the military ID that night? What would have happened to me? It's a little bit dark out. Nobody knows. There's no cameras around. You know, I mean, I walked a little bit further away from Turkey Hill. I'm getting shot in cold blood. Nobody's gonna care. And you weren't driving. You were just walking. Yeah, I was, it was. The Turkey Hill was right by my house there. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, Uh yeah. Well, so that, that's I, why I, that's that that's another reason what motivated me to do that group too, because when when I first seen the George Floyd thing, there that hit home kind of like. Because, and, and as I get older wow. and older, um, do I think there's racist people in the world? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Go to a restaurant with me around here. <laughs> go go to a restaurant with me. You'll see just people. People are like, what? Like, I, it's like I killed their mother. You know, um, so- when I walk. But yeah. uh, uh, but th- but true, truthfully, it's not everybody. Not everybody's racist. Some people are just bad people. Some people are good people. That's what it right. is. Yeah, I think that's a lot of what it
1: is, and that that seems just ring true with what you're saying. Also, uh, just just I just want to clarify one point. So this was all happening in Wilkesbury at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And now you're somewhere else, though, right?
2: Yep. Yeah. 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 So um, now I'm um, down in Northumberland here. It's a right. nice little place. I, I'm not going to lie. It hasn't been so nice the last year and a half here, though. There's been, I don't know what people are doing out here. I don't know what the police are doing out here. But like, uh, oh, since I came down here, I got the police called on me six times. I've been at my car searched twice by the police for drugs. That's a whole thing that happened. What? But uh. I'm past that now. <laughs> that I could, I could go on with that, too. I can go yeah, on with that.
1: Yeah. That's just yeah. so bizarre to me because I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of used to hearing that kind of a thing happening in Philadelphia. Yeah. I I just did not think it was happening outside the big cities.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Up here, there's not a lot of black people, so that's you know what I mean. So once they see on, it's kind of a problem. Um, but you know, me and me and the police officers around here, we're we're all right. No, we're all right. But uh, yeah, when I first came out here, yeah, it wasn't so great. I mean, when I uh when I came back here, I was in, um, I was actually in foster care around this area too. So, oh, yeah. So yeah. when I came back here as an adult, it, you know, it wasn't so nice to me. I, I started realizing. Yeah. I
1: was but, gonna uh, say, eventually there, there should be like not too many people in the area. So that they, at a certain point they would just know you. I would hope, isn't that the whole point of, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. That, that's what <laughs> now,
2: But uh, another thing too, though, a lot of like black and Spanish people have moved in the area since I came out here. Like, it's just mm-hmm. been a, a boom boom <laughs> like it, yeah it's not even that long like it's, huh? yeah but uh um yeah so uh but uh, uh last year there was like two murders out here like that's so unheard of for this area like some dude got shot in the neck and another dude got gunned down outside of this bar called Laughter's in Sunbury and uh you know what i mean uh it's just that's just crazy i'm not sure like what's causing that but uh, i have an idea i feel like people are desperate out here um i think desperation breeds crime um you know things are getting expensive uh yeah basic things like bread and eggs and you know you know uh your bills if everything keeps going up and people's pays are staying the same they can't make enough money uh, you know what i mean people are going to get desperate and again desperation breeds crime they're going to start acting out
1: this could be a whole episode on its own, but yeah it's a combination of mental health and just the economic conditions that are driving people to, to desperation with the you know inflationary policies that that's a lot of what we talk about on this show and in the mises caucus and the party in general just you know the government policy that's leading to the conditions that we're suffering from right now like a lot of it can be traced back to that yeah. yeah so but that is a good transition point for well let's just let's just start with uh, i mean you can again you can talk about this as much or as little as you want to but um uh what is the uh current uh role that you're in in the uh the state government well, how has that been
2: uh so um i work for dhs right now um i'm an income maintenance caseworker and I have to say this because, you know, somebody's probably going to hear about this. and so I'm going to get in trouble about it. Yeah. But all uh, my views clearly don't match up with the states. So we'll say that.
1: OK, so is that the uh, state government or the federal government? I just want to clarify that
2: the, I'm, the, 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 I'm working for right now. Right. I'm working for the state. I used to work. Oh, that for is the state. Vendermat. OK, got it. Yeah, I used to work for the federal government. They're not not anymore. Uh, OK, yeah, that's when I was up in Wilkes there. Um, but uh right. Yeah, I'm working for the state government down here. And uh, uh, basically what we deal with is, uh, um, you know, anything from food stamps to, um, you know, energy assistance to, um, you know, medical assistance. And I can go in about medical assistance. And this is my personal opinion on this. Got to say that. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So my personal opinion about uh, medical assistance is I feel like the government purposely. And this is a combination of the state and federal government. They purposely. Um, you know, make medic uh, Medicaid bad, like it's it's the government's fault that a lot of people don't accept it. Uh, you ever heard like a lot of doctors and maybe dentists or you know places where you can go get eye care they don't take Medicaid? Have you heard of that or medical assistance? Uh
1: there, yeah, I've I've heard of some places like that.
2: Yeah, I, I know quite a few out here. A lot, most of the places out here do not take uh, medical assistance or Medicaid. You got to go to like. Um, you know, places that might not be as good, you know, um, they accept it from the government, but I'll tell you why. Um, the reason is like the government either doesn't pay them, the medical providers, either their full amount or pays them, um, like after a a long period of time. Now, let me ask you, if you worked at your job and you did a good job, you put in your 40 hours that week and then... Your boss decided to pay you six months later, or at half the um, <laughs> the pay you were supposed to get paid. You're gonna continue working there? Uh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's and that's how a lot of these medical providers be uh, how they feel. Uh. But that's what the government does. They do that, but then they claim they want health care for all. They wanna they wanna um, make sure everybody's healthy and strong and everything. That's baloney. If you really wanted that. Just pay the medical providers what they want to be paid. You know what I mean? I mean, you already tax us crazy out here. You tax us more than enough. Like literally, for, from this uh, throughout this whole um, pandemic here, they've uh, kept people like open. And, and some people don't even live in this state anymore, right? And they've been open for medical assistance, and that's been getting paid for by our taxes. So they're not even living in the state no more. It's, they're not even supposed to be eligible for it, but. Since the pandemic, they had to stay open for medical assistance. And you know how much money that wasted? You know how much of our tax money that wasted? A lot. (laughs) I think it cost about, so me, um, I'm actually eligible for medical assistance because I was in foster care. I'm actually starting to figure out I'm eligible for former foster care benefits. I'm actually, I'm going to stop being eligible once I turn 26 for a lot of them. But I recently just found it out. They try to hide it, so you know. You can't apply, and you know, we go to jail and all that stuff after we get out of foster care. But, uh, um, <laughs> there's a lot of benefits you can actually apply for. There's actually a benefit where, um, you can go to college for basically like five years, and it, the state completely pays for it. Well, the state doesn't pay for it, we pay for it with our taxes, but you know what I mean? The state pays for it. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh programs like that. So, I was actually eligible for medical assistance, I found out about that. Um, last year in August before I started working for the state there. And uh, um, basically, uh, yeah, I just applied. It doesn't matter how much money I'm making or my resources or anything. I'm automatically eligible. Uh, Governor Wolf maybe one of the only good things he did there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, basically that happened and uh, I applied. And then I started realizing, like, like, it costs about, like, $700 a month, I think, just to keep me on medical assistance. That's how much they pay the um, – I think they were paying Geisinger there. That's who my um, health care provider was through. I have my work insurance now. Um, but, yeah, that's a lot of money for someone who hasn't lived in the state for two years, right, since 2020, but their medical assistance had to stay open. That's coming out of your, our tax money right there. That's coming out of our tax money, and there's nothing we could have did about it. But it's, right. it's rules that they put up for the pandemic. That's my personal opinion when I think about that. I feel like it was stupid. I feel like it's it's wasteful. I mean, yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyways, though, they can't even go to all the places they want to go. Like, I, I don't know who said it first. Maybe it was Obama who said it first. Like, you can keep your doctors. That's baloney. You can't keep your doctors because your doctors aren't getting paid. If you want to keep Medicare, or not Medicare, Medicaid for all, you know what I mean? Actually pay the people. You know what i mean or else stop taxing so much for it you know like it doesn't make any sense but i mean that's just my personal opinion on it yeah i mean
1: i can't disagree with any of that oh yeah think, <laughs> it's just like some of some of that i i wasn't aware of the specifics but you know just the brokenness of the system is, is certainly certainly not new to me um maybe some people are hearing it for the first time but yeah, yeah it's it's i mean it's good to hear from from the inside that it's not just like us from the outside seeing this as, as a problem that you know yeah. it, it, it is just about more as we get
2: oh could you say that again you kind of cut out there
1: oh yeah Um I was just saying like it is the, like even from the out like from the outside it looks like the system is broken but now just hearing from the inside that it is as broken as we think it is you know
2: yeah yeah. And there, there's some good there's some good people in there who really, truly want to help people out. But like the system doesn't allow them to. And that's my personal opinion. Again, I believe the system really doesn't allow you to. I believe it's set up to not help people. I believe it's set up to yeah. appear to help people. But <laughs> whoever wrote those rules and laws didn't want to help people. Right. They to help themselves by keeping money in their pockets and keeping the poor poor, the middle class poor and then keeping the rich where, right where they're at. <laughs>
1: Well, I think that is is. good. Yeah, that is a good transition. So, uh, how did you hear about the Libertarian party and what motivated you to run for office?
2: My sister, uh, my sister, Angela, basically, um, I came down here and visited her. Um, her husband had passed away in a car accident. So, uh, I came down, you know, come to comfort my sister and my nieces and everything. So that, that all started happening towards the end of 2020 there. Um, but, you know, I, I wasn't living down here at that point of time, but um, basically me and my sister, we always like talk about the government and how shady it is all the time and all this stuff with the foster care. And uh, my sister, Angela, like, she's like uh, she's 27. She's about to be 28 this year. And, um, you know, we always we always have crazy long debates and we're always arguing, not arguing, but you know what I mean? Doing a little. Debates yeah, with <laughs> brothers and sisters. But it's always about the government we're arguing about. Right. <laughs> but basically, basically my sister told me one day I was arguing and I was saying, I was saying this, I was saying, uh, you know, I, I came up with this little thing and you know, I listened to Kanye before. So <laughs> I said, uh, I said to my sister, uh, cause um, we were talking about like gun laws. Right. And I told her, I was like, okay, what's a, what's a King to a God. What's a God to a non-believer. What's a gun law to a criminal who doesn't obey the law? It's nothing. They're just going to get the gun anyways and disobey the law. People have a whole big problem with, uh, you know, you know, like we're definitely against the war on drugs. But (laughs) but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, it's crazy. There's so many laws against drugs in this country. There's so many damn laws. You, You you're not allowed to smoke marijuana. You can't have cocaine. You're not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. And don't get me wrong. I know drugs have a big impact on people's lives and everything. And I'm not doing drugs. You know what I mean? I've seen what it does to some people. But drug dealers still get the drugs. I can literally go right out here to this gas station, literally 10 minutes away, or not even 10 minutes, five minutes away, and I can have coke in my hand in less than an hour. But it's illegal it's illegal. How is that possible? Because criminals do not obey the law. They don't give a damn about the law. You know what I mean? It ha- It has no effect on them. So a gun law to somebody who's not lawful has no effect. It's literally, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. We were talking about that. And I said that to my sister. My sister told me, you know what you are? you're a damn libertarian, Elijah. And I was like, what's a libertarian? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, said damn, <laughs> I said, what's a libertarian? And she said, oh, you don't know what a libertarian is? I said, no. And I was like, what is that? She said, oh, it's like the third biggest political party in the United States. I'm like, oh, there's other ones? She said, yeah, there's <laughs> other ones. You know, this, was, this was back in 2020, at the end of 2020. I was like, oh, I had no clue. And she explained it to me. And she was like, well, this is what they believe in. This is certain things. And I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. And, you know, yeah, from that point on, I, yeah, I switched my um, my voters thing. Oh, I, I was registered as a Democrat for some reason. I'll, I'll tell you the story behind this. I didn't know how to register to vote when I came back from the Marine Corps. I've never voted, right, in my life before then. When I was in the Marine Corps, I never voted. A lot of people who are in the military don't vote just because we don't have the time. All those mail-in ballots that people are, were supposedly supposed to get, we never get them. I've never seen one person vote in the military. I've never seen it. Like, but but yeah, wow. we don't have the time. First of all, they don't get the ballots to us in time. They might somebody might disclose it a little bit like, hey, this election's going on, but then we have to go right back to work. And that we don't we don't we don't vote in there. But yeah, that's a whole nother story. But uh yeah, so um when I got back, I didn't know how to register to vote. I didn't even know what was going on. But I was at one of these uh rallies, there was a Trump uh truck. And then there was a Black Lives Matter, uh, yeah, Black Lives Matter rally going on, and they were both just clashing into each other up on Scranton, some crazy stuff, right, going on. And I was like, whoa! But this lady, she was on this, uh, this table by the courthouse there, and she said, hey, are you registered to vote? And I said, oh no. She's like, do you want to vote? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to vote. You know what I mean? This is gonna be my first time voting. So um, yeah. She was like, oh, I can, I can help you. What's your name? And I gave her my name. She's like, oh, what's your address? I'm like, oh, here. And she was like, okay, all right, we'll get you set up to vote. And I was like, okay. Next thing you know, I get a, a Democrat thing in the mail over there. I guess <laughs> I get the voters registration in the mail. And I'm a Democrat voter or a registered Democrat over there. Ugh. That's crazy, huh? I didn't even know. When, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I,
1: found I, out. I could t- I could tell similar stories, but that's I'll save that for another time. Like it's not it just just <laughs> it's not the first time for something like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was some crazy stuff. I didn't even know how that happened, but <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I switched it to Libertarian and everything, and yeah, here I am now. Yeah, wow. Uh
1: so when did you get in touch with the party and um and get interested in running for office then?
2: Uh as soon as I looked online, I was just online one day and I seen that um um the senator for our um I believe it's our district up here, I forget what his name is, it's just like John Gordon. I seen that he was resigning. So I was looking into that. I was like, Hold on, if he's resigning, somebody most likely Linda Schlegel, who's in our district, is probably going to run for that, you know. She's been running unopposed for years. She's probably going to try to move up to that position there. And people are probably going to vote for it because this area is mainly Republican, you know. So I was like, hold on. If she moves from there, her seat's going to be open. So that means there's going to be a special election. And, you know, I started reviewing this stuff. Me and my sister always talk about this stuff. So I had a little bit of knowledge about it. And, uh, yeah, I just... I contacted the Libertarian Party um, on Instagram. <laughs> I contacted them and um, somebody reached back out to me and they asked me for some information. And it was a little bit of a cat and mouse game at first there because I couldn't really get to somebody. I kept getting like moved to this person to this person and this person. And then um, I finally got to talk to BJ there. And uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much after that, we met and we discussed a couple things and we talked on the phone a couple of times. And I talked with other people in the party there and you know they introduced me to a whole world out here. I didn't even realize there was this many people out here with the Libertarian Party. Yeah. It's a lot more than you think. And there's a lot more people who have same um thoughts and ideologies as the Libertarian Party. They just don't know it yet. Just because they don't know anything, they don't know anything other than the Libertarian, I mean the Republican and Democrat party. I think I think I feel like a lot more people than yeah basically what i just said there's a lot more people out here who are libertarian that just don't know it
1: yeah yeah well actually since you mentioned it i'll i'll bring it up real quick um to to you uh, i'll say um well i'll talk of the details with you about it after the show but basically uh the the mises caucus and some other groups are going to be working together on a special project coming up in philadelphia that's going to be like uh intro to Liberty type class. Um, I think, I think you might be interested in that. Um, it's going to be in Philadelphia. So, you know, hopefully you'll be able to, to make it for that when we actually do it, but for everybody else, go back and watch episode, uh, 42 of the show. We talk a lot about it there. Um, so I, I definitely want to talk to you about that, uh, more after the show. Uh, cause th- that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're, tr- we're trying to get the word out there about like just, just starting off with the ideas and, and chances are like the people we're talking to they'll already agree with at least half of it anyway. They just won't know that it's actually tied up with like a, a system of beliefs that they probably haven't heard of.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, like I was saying with my sister there, like I was just talking to my sister about things that I thought was right. And then my sister was like, you're a libertarian. And I was like, what's that? You know, <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. And now I know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that that's exciting. And I I wanted to make sure because you, you already sent me uh, like a rough platform that you had and everything. Uh, but it it looks to me like, well, I mean, this is just you. This is every candidate uh, needs some sort of a, a team behind them, any volunteers that they could get. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, possibly help out, volunteer, like um, how could they do that?
2: Oh, you can contact me at my phone number. It's uh, 570-445-7459, or else you can reach out to me in my email. It's uh, Elijah John Scratching. So what you see on the screen there, E-L-I-J-A-H. Last name Scratching, it's S-C-R-E-T-C-H-I-N-G. Just with my middle name in the middle there.
1: (laughs) here. I'll 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 take that down and put it in the show notes at the end of the show. You can just uh, you can just drop it in the the chat that we have. Um, okay. I can yep. add it on Afterwards, uh, but what else is there? Oh, um, why don't you talk about like just pick like your top two or three uh, issues that you want to talk about uh, when you're campaigning? Um, uh,
2: I feel like uh the top three issues. Uh, And right now, especially with everything going on in the country and people wanting to take guns away crazy just because of the mass shootings going on and everything. And I'm not saying just because because it is a big thing. Um, But I think there's a simple solution to that. Honestly, I feel like if we had if we were proactive rather than reactive, um, you know, could stop a lot of these mass shootings. Um, First and foremost, you know, lock the doors, you know, I mean. Keep them shut and everything. Right. But even going forward, place armed security in schools. We have enough. We we pay enough money in taxes for this. You know what I mean? We pay more than enough money in taxes for this. Um, place armed security in schools. Give a veteran fifteen dollars an hour and I guarantee he'll sit up in that school and protect those children. You can kill two birds with one stone. there. You can uh, you can uh, um, give a veteran a job and protect children at the same time. Anybody who doesn't vote for that, I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean. Like anybody who doesn't agree on that, like, can come together in the, in the House of Representatives and agree that, hey, you know what I mean. This might be something good. We can, you know, we can do something with this. So I, I mean, that's a way to solve like a lot of the school shootings. There, right? put a vet there. They're not letting anybody touch those children, you know. So that's one of the, one things. I believe there needs to be um, better security in school, armed security in school, um, at least two per school. Mm-hmm. Um, Second there, um, I believe it's the uh, we got to address the rise in crime. And that stems from people being desperate again, uh, you know, because desperation breeds crime. Um, We need to work on, um, you know, why are people committing the crimes right now? People committing the crimes right now because they're broke. Things like gas, uh, groceries, um, a haircut, you know, basic things cost more than they should. And that's because of inflation. We need to do something about that. Um, we need to bring more smaller businesses into the area and encourage people to open up businesses and do things like that within the community here. You know what I mean? Just so we can build a, a solid foundation in our community. We don't have to reach out to outside sources or have people traveling out of the city for things that they can possibly get, can get in the city. You know what I mean? Cause people start buying stuff within the community, start doing things in the community there. It's going to build a stronger community. Um, And then third, uh, the third thing there I really was thinking about, uh, it's uh, a, well, actually, I have a bunch of them there, but uh, I feel like another thing, and I talked to a lot of vets out here about this. uh, A lot of vets out here, they don't have access to the VA like people think they do. Um, We had a gentleman over here right in the wise's parking lot. We had him collapse, and me and my sister ran over and uh, started helping him. He just collapsed on the ground. He had, like, some um, underlining conditions because of Agent Orange back in Vietnam. So, uh, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he collapsed on the ground and I asked him, uh, are you getting VA disability benefits? No. I don't know how to apply right. I, I, You know, I'm not doing it right. People are not helping me. Of course they're not helping them because they don't want them to get the benefits from the government there. But basically, um, we had to, <laughs> I had to drive his car home and then my sister drove my car home. But uh yeah, it was a whole situation with that man. He, he was passed out over here and he can't make it up to the VA. He can't make it up cuz it's it's an hour and a half away. Like Seems why like don't we have more vet- yeah. why don't we have more veteran centers around here? Like just do something for these people. Like it, pit- it it ticks me off just seeing some of these older veterans out here. You know what I mean? They they did everything the government told them to do and the government can't even throw them a damn bone. Like it, it ticks me off. It really does. Especially when I see some of these old vets out here, and they talk about they. I seen this other dude, this other guy. I'm not gonna call him a dude, but uh, he was another Vietnam vet. And this guy was up in Wilkesbury there. Now there is a VA up in Wilkesbury and that's where I actually did see this man. But he wasn't getting disability benefits, and I believed he should have. This man had nothing here, nothing where his nose should be. There was nothing, and I I was I got caught staring at him. You know. I was over, uh, At the time when I came back, I was just like, what the hell happened to you? And then I'm just looking at him, right? And then he looks at me, and he's like, go ahead, ask. Go ahead, ask, youngster. And I was like, oh, uh, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't mean to. He's like, just ask me. Stop being a you – know I mean, I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. You know how the Vietnam vets, they say whatever. They're, you know, they're a little bit unhinged there. But uh, I was like, yeah, w- what happened to you? And he was like, yeah, a like, grenade shrapnel hit my nose and blew it off. And, yeah, and I just, I'm just like this. I'm like, can you get a prosthetic? No, the VA won't pay for it. What do you mean the VA won't pay for it? You literally were out here doing the government's bidding and they can't even give you a fake nose? Like, that's crazy. Or give you something to do something with it? He's like, yeah, I've been trying to get them to pay for this, but they won't do it. i got to try to pay for it. My insurance don't cover it. And I was like, wow, that's insane. Another gentleman down here, um, he was on Camp Lejeune. The sweetest old man, right? He lives over here in Northumberland. He's the nicest old man. Um, But you wouldn't know. He has like two silver stars. He has a purple heart. (laughs) He has all types of crazy stuff from being back in the war there. But uh, um, yeah, so basically he went until June and he got cancer because of the water, right? This man, he can't even hold his coffee. I felt so bad for uh, having him stand there for a while because he was just standing there and shaking it. He was spilling the hot coffee all over his arms and hands, not even noticing it. And stuff like that. And this man, he was telling me about, oh, this happened to my buddy, and this happened, and this happened. And then he was telling me he had cancer from lejeune, and I could clearly see, he, you know, he was definitely not in good shape there. But uh, uh, yeah, he said he was, he had the, he was fighting with the the VA and lawyers to try to get some sort of benefit because he didn't receive nothing. He didn't receive nothing, and it is well documented that he has cancer. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I I feel like we need more veteran centers in the area. I feel like we need something for the vets out here. I can give you stories all day about veterans out here. Oh, yeah.
1: It's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to hear people's stories. And it's just enough to know that it's not just a few odd cases. No, it's, (laughs) it's
2: every time I come up to an older veteran, it ticks me off so bad. It makes me want to do stuff to the VA. But let, let me not say that on am live. Yeah, I know, okay.
1: I know, I know. Uh, yeah. So let's let's, uh, let's let's do it. Let's do this. Let's try to end it on a bit of a a bit of a high note here. So I was trying to think of something. Um, like when you and maybe not all of your siblings, but when you and some of your siblings to get together, other than like debate about politics. What's something uh, fun you like to do
2: now? Uh, so we get together sometimes. We just got together for uh uh one of my uh niece's birthday parties there. Well, actually it was a joint birthday party for both of my nieces. One of my sisters likes to do both of their her kids' birthdays together there. So all my brothers and sisters came up and everything. And actually uh I mean, it's, you know, I I really don't I don't hold any vengeance in my heart for anything really. I let things go in the past a lot of the times. You know, what I mean, if it's not gonna help me in my future, I, I really let it go. Um, my birth mom actually came up to, our, uh the thing there, and you know, she gave us some money for my kid. I was like, okay, man, you didn't give me nothing when I was growing up, but here you go, thank you. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, we got, all got together there. It was a blast. We were all roller skating. We were all playing the games over there. We went to this gas station and. You know, probably made the people a little bit mad because my sisters and brothers are all acting a little bit crazy in there, and
0: <laughs>
2: trying to get me to buy stuff, and you know, me asking them to buy stuff. <laughs> but yeah, we 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 get together, and we have a good time every now and then. And then my sisters love drinking wine, and they all get crazy. and <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a good time though when we get together now. Yeah. yeah, it really is. My brother, he's actually in the army now. One of my brothers, he's over in Korea, so he didn't get to come with us last time there. Um, he has a girlfriend out there so he barely talks to us anymore (laughs) but uh no but uh yeah you know we get together and we have a we have a good time now you know it's a it's a definitely a um a difference between back then and now you know now Mm -hmm. that we're older and we're able to be adults
1: yeah well uh i'm glad that uh, you all still stay in touch like that's that's really good to hear um you know it looks like you guys are, are on a good path now so uh any any closing thoughts or anywhere people can uh follow what you're doing like you what social medias you got set up and anything like that
2: yeah i, I have a uh page set up on facebook right now it's a public figure page or page there um it's just my first and my last name um, you can just look it up there um uh, i believe i got like 900 like followers on there right now it's like 400 likes that's the way you can identify that i had a, another facebook before when i was a little bit younger don't go on that one um no <laughs> no it's uh it's uh yeah it's just a couple pictures but uh yeah you could you could definitely follow me on facebook there um yeah, Message yeah. Me anytime.
1: yeah we, we gotta get you on uh twitter too now that you're running for office that's that's essentially a must <laughs> Yeah. Even if, it's, <laughs> even if you delete it right afterwards, you like, really, you really got to do that. So we'll we'll talk uh, afterwards. So just stay on, and I'll wrap up this show. So uh, thanks, Elijah, for coming on. It was great having you. Um, and uh, tune in next week, everyone, for another exciting episode of uh, Take You in Action PA. Um, and until next time, don't forget to take you in action. Bye. Okay, should be ready.